Welcome to the Improv in Practice podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Wilson, bringing you interviews, inspiration, and information on improvised theater with Synergy Theater. You can find Synergy Theater's classes, workshops, performances, and more at synergytheater.com. That's S-Y-N-E-R-G-Y theater.com. Okay, lights down, curtain up. Hello, improvisers. We're back with part two of our interview with Kat Coppett, actor, author, trainer, and more, and Maggie. I have to keep my voice down because it's late as I record this. Since our interview, Maggie has teamed up with an exclusively audio-only improv group and specializes in audio-only practice and coaching. Maggie is now a voice artist and guest coach at Introverted Improvisers, pioneers of Audioprov. Maggie wants you to know that if you are looking for original formats and or education at a student or coaching level, check them out at introvertedimprovisers.com. Maggie is also one of the voices at Liminal Passengers, a podcast. Maggie told me that for her, it's important to acknowledge the people she collaborates with who are true pioneers of the audio-only medium and promoters of inclusion. And it is on the topic of inclusion that our interview resumes. Kat and Maggie's conversation leads into a scene that you will love. Now, when Kat and Maggie say goodbye, don't go anywhere. The show is far from over. And now, here's part two of our interview with Kat and Maggie. Maggie, I want, I want to understand that what you just said better. How in the group that you were just talking about, you were doing a show. How was it that they leveled the playing field? They would let me know when the scene was changing, and that's not normally done on Zoom shows. But it's a tiny thing to do because I've always felt very welcomed by Vinnie and Katie at Improv College and, and uh, the same with Ken at Synergy. They made it easy for me, and it's a tiny tweak, but very few people would realise that that's all it takes to make somebody with no Zoom vision feel at home and feel comfortable at home. I, 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 to be honest, I've kind of, I've always puzzled at why it's so difficult, why some people find it very difficult to include an audio-only person. Um, I'm just nodding vigorously over here. And, yeah. uh, and especially when you said, why is it so difficult? I think there's so much about just not paying attention and not thinking of it that is the barrier, not the problem solving itself. Right. right. And I think with some, I mean, I don't know if this is true. It's just what I'm going to put out there with some conditions, especially the eyes. There's this thing, I don't know where it comes from, but or don't, like, or is it catching? And you think, what, what is wrong with you? What do you mean, is it catching? Like, oh, I don't want to spend too much time with a disabled person and I'll think they're my friend. And it's, 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 it's about inclusion. Um, I didn't really understand that. And I, I, I've lived with this level of disability in sight loss over 20 years, but I, it was only brought into very shock focus when I was excluded. Um, email after email, schools I trained with, people I knew for a long time saying, no, we can't adapt this audio only. And I found Stephen Davidson, who I'd known as a brilliant performer, 
at his own school in promiscuous. And he said, nonsense, come on board. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the first 10 months of the pandemic, I heard nothing from anybody. And no, we can't do that. 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 And Stephen was, where have you been, Maggie? Come on. And I just got back into it in October last year. And I haven't looked back since. Uh, all because of one guy opening the door. And through Stephen, I heard about Benny Francois. I went there. Through Benny, I heard about Ken and Synergy. I went there. Through Ken, I heard about Carla Zingle, the most amazing acting coach in the world. Sorry, at Queen City. And I went there. So, yeah, inclusion. I'm all hot about inclusion in every aspect now because you only really feel it when it's, when it's you. When it's you, it's not working for. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I, First of all, I'm really sorry that the ratio of no's to yes words so out of whack. I, I mean, it sounds like you working with really wonderful people, but it feels like we collectively should be doing better, especially in the improv community, at figuring out how to yes and some pretty simple problems, right? You know, solutions. I, I also think about, as you're talking, all, all of the ways that all of the people who are excluded and all of the ways people don't have access that are ubiquitous, like there are lots and lots of people who do not have fast speed, broadband internet access in this wow. world. Oh yeah. Log on to zoom. We'll have a class, you know, we'll do a show. And yeah. you know, I, I have, I have friends in Nigeria who can barely get a signal. Right. So yeah. The, if we can find ways for them to be improvising with us audio only, that vastly expands the ways that they can participate without just being desperately frustrated all the time. Yeah, very much so. Um, I, I think with um, Stephen at Impromiscuous, his classes are known for attracting people from all around the world. We always had at least one or two students from Asia. Uh, so we had a girl from the Philippines, amazing connection, really fast speed. She could do loads of interesting things with her screen. Uh, another caller from India who had to turn their screen off yeah. because they don't have that strong a signal. So there is a a strong argument for promoting audio only because if you have a, a prepaid plan, which includes phone calls, yeah. you can do what I'm doing by just telephoning that number, which is included in your plan because it's a local number to you. And and being a radio participant, if you like, oh, inclusion, God, it's 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 a huge thing. And it, once you get into it, you realise how excluded people are. <laughs> um, and I think one of the questions that that we emailed was, what would you like to change? I think it would have to be that. And it's not just improv; it's it's everything. It's it's society. I remember saying to one of my hospital consultants there's a pandemic and then she said well you can't come in for any tests in the hospital you just have to eke it out at home until you are doubly vaccinated and I said at least the whole world knows what it's like now to have a chronic health condition because this thing's about and it's not going away and she went oh yeah I'm going to use that in my next meeting <laughs> so we were united in that we were all facing the same I don't want to say enemy the same threat all of us, every single person in the world. And it would be sad in a way if, if all the ways of being and living 
with all the prejudices and all the exclusion, if all of that came back almost as if the pandemic hadn't taught us anything. But I, I guess the next the next 12 to 18 months is going to be, oh, this is another cordy phrase from a poorly sighted person, but eye-opening. <laughs> um, I think the people right. that have adapted will continue to adapt. And I think some people dive back into their old way of being like, a rat up a drain it you know again linking back to improv it makes me think about really really brilliant improvisers the best improvisers that i know their superpower isn't being clever or having the best ideas or the widest range of characters their real superpower is paying attention and listening is superpower listening and mm. then they they notice more and then they have more to yes and and more to build on. But it's the that first step of receiving with sort of extrasensory perception that distinguishes the great improvisers that I know from the serviceable improvisers. And so if we started, Sarah, talking about applied improv, right? And how does it pertain to life? And this feels like a moment, what you're talking about, Maggie, where applying the principles and values and skills of improv. This is a moment where if we can all really pay attention and really listen and really receive what is happening and what's going on. And then yes, and that this is the moment. It, it is. Absolutely. And it, it's societal, it's worldwide for many of our, I mean, I try and stay positive, happy land when I talk about improv, but, but on the wider issue, when we think of the day-to-day -day things we need to do that people use to do we are talking to bots we're talking to automated systems i mean i do that a lot in, in improv shows i become uh, i think um at the weekend uh, it was a class sorry at the weekend not a show uh somebody had got to the pearly gates and i went please enter the pin number because <laughs> how far is it going to take getting rid of people for jobs that's it's, awesome. so the next thing that's going to go is, is doctors and then after that it'll be taxi drivers have a car you don't even need to drive it drives you but what what why don't we need people anymore? <laughs> so I'll be um, listening and watching what happens with, with double sized ears because it's going to make for some um, interesting shows. <laughs> so I was wondering if you two would be interested in playing an improv game together. I don't have one in mind, but I thought that the two of you could probably find one to do together what do you think that i would love it oh yeah that yeah that'd be cool i didn't see that coming yet yeah. <laughs> <laughs> did you have a favorite game no anything i mean uh anything at all i could i could suggest but i don't want to i want the two of you to come up with one i was just talking i was just talking to my husband about last letter first letter where the last letter of one person's line of dialogue becomes the first letter of the first word of the other person's line of dialogue. Oh, perfect. Absolutely perfect. Okay. All right. So you guys want to do this in um, a scene format? What format are you going to do? Okay. And about a, f a five minute scene? Oh, sure. That's that's a good juicy one. It's okay. Or or two minute that's scene would be whatever, fine. Yeah. Whatever. whatever. And, yeah. Okay. Do you want to give us a suggestion or something to start? Would you like a location? Um, Maggie, what would you like? A location sounds perfect. Okay, a location. First thing that comes to mind, 
<laughs> is on the sidewalk outside of a firehouse. <laughs> uh, can, uh, can you uh, uh, get me a beer? Right away, sir. Uh, what kind of beer would you like? On our vitamin R, the one, the one, the one they have in, in Washington State in the Twilight movie. Thank you. Um, unless I'm mistaken, sir, um, that's the kind of beer I'm drinking right now. Could I just set it here on your blanket by your shopping cart? Take, take, take your, take your nasty shoes off my shopping blanket, woman. I mean, uh, I, 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 I think, I think you can probably stretch to a fresh vitamin R. Hmm, maybe. Elephants never forget, and I'm just like an elephant. I remember where I've seen you before, Marvin. <gasps> Natalie Cooper. Natalie Cooper, Kmart. Wisconsin High Street, ninety ninety nine. Eventually, I knew you'd recognize me. Even so, you you you've come down on the world, Natalie. I have to say, y you warned me that I shouldn't take your position in the company after you were fired. Do you, do you ever need to? Do you ever wonder? Do you? Oh, I've just you know, I've I've had a lot of beer today. Natalie, I, I hope you don't judge me by my appearance. Uh, Hell no. Or perhaps, or perhaps you've come to interfere me for one of your, 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 your projects, like the extracurricular newsletter you had going on when you worked in the office. Is that it? To tell you the truth, I... I did come here looking for you. I I heard you were I heard you were seen around here and I I guess I felt like I owed you something. Go on. You were my mentor. You were my my first boss and coach. And when you were fired, instead of standing by you, I I I celebrated that I was gonna get a promotion and I got caught in the evil corporate wheels of avarice and ambition, and and it spit me out just like it spit you out. I've I've seen the error of my ways, and I think we should start a company together, Marvin. Natalie, uh, uh, that that's a lot of information hit in the in the one go. I I my trousers are covered in urine. My dogs run off, and I'm gonna have to scratch me a new sign. Um, are you looking for mentoring right now? Why else would I be here? I figure you've learned much more about life living on the streets for a while than you ever learned in that big, steel, ugly, cold tower. Right. Right. You, you, you all, you always were sharp. You always were clever, and you're right. I see people walking by. I see people coming back, a face full of booze, 
I sometimes get a bit of money, I do a little dance, I get fries and coffee all day, and the urine on the trousers. You know, I say, you know what I say, Natalie? I say, yeah. doesn't matter. Because my goal is free. I sold everything I had. I gave it to charity. Opened the yellow pages, boom, gave it to the dog hospital. And you know what I've learned? Did you learn the secret of life? Eventually, uh, well, yeah, I didn't mean to interrupt. Tell me. Sorry, you tell me. Everything I sold, I didn't have sold. I was a jerk. I should have listened. I shouldn't have cheated on my wife. I shouldn't have stolen from my own company. And I should have bought a blanket with a waterproof backing. So, if you don't find I really like vitamin R. Right away. I'll be right back. <laughs> that that was beautiful. Do you mind if I end it there? <laughs> I think it was a character on... There was a character on Futurama or The Simpsons that went into the Quickie Mart and he had this accent. And it's about the only accent I can do when I'm playing a bloke and I'm playing a man in America. It was great. That was so great. That was incredible. <laughs> that was I incredible. totally forgot you weren't American. I know. I was... <laughs> now I'm thinking, wait, do we sound like that? I guess we do. Yeah, we totally do. <laughs> it's great. Uh, uh, uh. And I'll tell you, I got such a vivid picture of you in my head it really is like doing like a radio play yes oh great i was there um the first stories we hear uh well usually the lucky ones among us we're read to by our mums or our dads or we're read to by a grown-up and because we can't read and the stories are in our head and because we're at such an impressionable age those pictures never leave which so if the best training any anybody in life, I think, or any potential improviser can have. Read to your kid. Read uh, to your kid. Agreed. Read to your kid. Yes, agreed. Uh, so mm. the both of you are beautiful and amazing, and this has been incredible. Thank you for taking the time and having the interest. I think you're both incredible. Uh, in closing, I would like to know what you would like to promote and then also with the wealth of your knowledge if someone is just starting out in improv what's the first thing that pops into your head as far as hey focus on this and you'll you'll be great okay i'm busy doing nothing at the moment um i'm 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 swimming after a gap of nearly a year and a half so that's my thing at the moment I'm not going to promote anything I'm doing. I've just written a play. Oh, God, yeah. What am I talking about? I've written a play called The River. And that, yeah, what? I know. Uh, and that's being edited. So, God, that'll probably be another five years because I think the editor might have died. No, he hasn't. Um, it's done. So I'll, I'll let Ken know when, that, when that's ready. Um, I'm, I don't have any shows or anything or performances booked, but I'd like to promote two places. I, I want to sing the praises of, Ken especially and Synergy Theatre, but also Vinnie Francois at Improv College and anyone in the UK listening, go to Stephen Davidson because he's amazing and he runs a school called Impromiscuous. 
<laughs> and I'd like to promote those three people because they, the three of them together, have transformed my life during lockdown, and I'm very grateful. Um, I've forgotten the second question. Remind me. Oh, sure. Oh. What would you say to someone who's just starting out in improv? The most precious gift that you will ever be able to give anyone you're playing alongside or anyone in an audience is showing people how vulnerable you are. Never, ever be afraid to fall on your face. Uh, do it again, do it again, and then do it again. Because that's what they want to see, and then they want to see you getting back up again. Yeah. Beautiful. Uh, so the Mopco Improv Theater is at mopco.org. Coppet is at coppet, K-O-P-P-E-T-T dot com. And we have a podcast. We just interviewed Ken for our podcast. So either <laughs> right before, right after this, there should be an episode coming out where you can hear the man himself talking about applied improv. That podcast is called Dare to be Human Podcast.com. If you go to Cop It, there's also links to that. And um, I'm a big fan of that show. I listened to that show and I'm so happy that, that you interviewed Ken for that show. Finally, and, after and, years. Okay, so that is, I'm not crazy that that's the first. Okay, great. Um, it's a fantastic <laughs> podcast. Again, it's called Dare to be Human and it's just, it's just so great. Uh, oh, I'm so glad. Yes. And if you weren't going to bring it up, I definitely was going to. So what else? And? And I guess my advice for a beginning improviser, I love what Maggie said. And I, I think this idea of just daring to be obvious, if you're trying really hard, you're probably trying too hard, right? <laughs> that most of what I think we learn from improv is to get out of our own way and trust ourselves and trust our partners. And so you're in really great hands if you're a beginning improviser starting with Ken. He, he's the very best of the best and one of my first and best teachers, even though I'd been improvising for a long time when I met him. And now, 20 years later, going back and working with Synergy, he's still one of my best teachers. So you found the right place to be if you're there. But just that, dare to be obvious, dare to be foolish, dare to be, whenever there's a voice in your head saying, I shouldn't say this, or it's going to be the wrong thing, say it anyway. And have fun. Have fun. Hey, yeah. Yeah. Thank you again, both, so much. You're awesome. Is there anything else before I let you go? Thank you, Sarah, for doing this. It's yeah. so amazing and wonderful that you're doing this. And it's been a delight to speak to both of you. Yeah, it, 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 it's been such fun and it seems like five minutes. It's just, it's easy and it, it's fun stuff. And we're all so into it. So we all get what each of us is saying. I love this. So yeah, thank you. I can't wait to see what you guys are up to. Please keep in touch in some kind of way. And if you don't, I will. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Deal. Okay, bye guys. Thank you. Hey there, don't go anywhere. We're only halfway through. We have more to share with you. First, Synergy Theater is back at the Lesher Center. I went to see their spontaneous Charles Dickens on April 24th. It was great, and I wasn't the only one who thought so. So, what did you think? I thought it was really good. I liked um, how the actors were really active into it, and they 
or like not like oh I'm lazy and I'm not really gonna like put my heart and soul into this and but they really did so I really liked how the action was very packed so they really went for it yeah they were like boom I'm doing this <laughs> now you may be wondering wait spontaneous theater is for kids too Yes, and Ken and Synergy Theater have launched a new initiative called Theater Smarts, which aims to bring young students who otherwise may not get the chance to live theater. You can help make this happen. Visit SynergyTheater.com and join the mailing list to learn more. Also on the website, you can find tickets, showtimes, and class schedules. We'll have more on Theater Smarts here soon. The second half of our show celebrates our podcast's 12th episode and conclusion of season one. What an incredible season of incredible guests. A big thank you to each one. Here's a listen back to some of the great moments of the first season of Improv in Practice. Yvonne, I would like to know from each of you, if you could take yourself back to before you were familiar with improvised theater and storytelling in this format, what's something that you wish you could, a little bit of advice or a tip or an insight that you could send to your newbie self? It's tremendous fun to raise stakes and easy to do if you don't have a stake in it. <laughs> you know, it just doesn't have to be good. It doesn't have to be your best. Do it and see what happens. Yeah. Robin? Um, I would say that when you hear the voice in your head telling you to do something, or like when you feel the, the twitch in your leg, if you're on the sidelines telling you to go to a scene, trust it and just go for it. And, you know, what's the worst that could happen? How do you deal with stage fright? Ooh, I suppose just trying to feel, uh, getting, getting a system of things that I like to do on the way to shows. So I used to have a, a watch that had a sort of vibration timer on it and you could set it to every 10 seconds, it would vibrate. So, so say, say I'm doing a show in the evening and I'm on the tube in the morning, the London underground system. And so I'd be walking around and the watch would, would vibrate and then I would react with fear to something I'd seen for 10 seconds and then justify it in my head. And then the watch would vibrate again, then go to anger, sadness, happiness, and kind of just rotate through that. And just those kind of warm ups throughout the day and also practicing space work, bouncing a ball, an invisible ball along the, along the street, because that's ridiculous. And you've got to be comfortable with feeling ridiculous if you're going to be on a stage. <laughs> so, you know, just doing that in public, just walking around, it, no, no one cares really. So. So just little things like that, just weaved in throughout the day, I find really help. And then also just the knowledge that once you get on stage, it will be fine. I have a question actually, Robin. Mm. When you're writing plays, do you like embody each character in your mind? How do you create, how does Impact help you create full characters? I think one of the things that improv is really helpful for is in identifying something in a line that you've written and saying, if this is true, what else is true about that character? And then just building out from that point and just being able to hold on to that 
single point and, and telescope it outwards. And I think it's a really, I think it's a really transferable skill when it comes to writing. I was curious as to how you felt improv affected your approach to directing. On the, on the first most primary level, when I had a vision, I just accepted it. It helped me be present. This is what strikes me. Just being, instead of worrying about what other people see, this is what strikes me about this piece. And then I could just like really go into it and bring other people in. I brought a lot of people from theater sports into this, these productions because they're really good. <laughs> they're really good actors and have a lot to contribute. I know that one of the things that Aki really loves, and he always blossomed under, was helping and supporting other people. For him to be, now he's technical director of a theater in Virginia, to be able to put his ideas and work with people and to think of, what can I do to support the actors? What can I do to support the director and their vision? I mean, it's wonderful, as is having a time limit, because if you don't give him a time limit, he'll still be doing the same thing for 10 years, because like many artists, he is never satisfied with what he does. <laughs> so he's a bit of a perfectionist. Wow, yeah. I'm caught out. Ooh. Yeah, but that's true. But again, it's the way many artists and creative people are, because people who care about what they're doing and who are very creative tend not to be satisfied with their doing and to, to have a vision that is impossible to achieve. I was going to say, I, I could put it some, in some uh, less embarrassing language for me and say that also constraints, not just time, but constraints in general, whether design constraints, budget constraints, the constraints that you voluntarily put on your work, whether it's a long form improv that's set in a theme or whatever, I think it's easy to forget that like that really can spark creativity because once you had to find your whole story, your whole piece within that container that you've made or you found yourself in is where you can find some of the sort of best solutions. So that's, I mean, that's another great thing about theater and what it can sort of bring out of people. Can you speak to how you have witnessed Louise's pursuit of theater and improv, how that has affected her? I think the word release is coming to mind, like a freedom found especially with improv but even with acting of just like full-hearted embracing of the energy in in theater and i i feel like my mom was really like fully dived in and found this great way to play in, in multiple senses of the, of the word versus like not saying my mom has been rigid but there's still like a I was more rigid. That was true. I didn't know how to play. <laughs> I really didn't know how to play. And I've learned through theater how to play, how to trust myself more, how to be more open. Aloha. Aloha. You look like you have a glow. Got it. Either that or you're pregnant. <laughs> no, that, that ship has sailed, honey. Okay, well. Deb, we are audio only, so feel free to. I've been picking my nose through this whole thing. Yeah, one of Lynn's buttons on her blouse flew off. It was totally fast. I flashed her. Totally fine. I just asked Lynn what she would say to someone who wanted to try improv but was kind of scared and didn't think that it, maybe it was for them. What would she say to them? Oh, okay, I have to hear the answer. Uh, well, I think the first thing I'd say is you're probably going to be really nervous. But don't let that stop you. And, you know, what's the worst thing that can happen is that you're embarrassed and that's not going to kill you. 
the best thing that can happen is you'll have the best time of your life. You'll get hooked. You'll want to go back and don't worry about being funny. Don't try to be funny. That's all yeah. good. That's really good. Yeah. What hooked you? It, it was a feeling I'd had before when I was younger and, and the laugh, getting a laugh. <laughs> that sounds terrible, but getting a laugh was like, that feels so good. And that's what it was for me at first was a lot of like being funny or thinking that's what it was about. Why I stay now with improv isn't for the laughs. It's for, for my cast members, my friends. I, we've just gotten so close and we make each other smile and laugh. And that's enough. It doesn't have to be like an audience, but don't get me wrong. It's not that that's not fun too, but things have changed as synergy has grown. What do you tell your friends and family about your experiences in improv? They're very curious. Like for, are yours, Lynn? Like when you- Not at all. In the, not at all. Well, maybe because they're used to it and you've been doing it so long. Yeah. I mean, people will say, well, what do you do in class? I just find that so hard to answer because we do so many different things. It's not one size fits all. So I'm focused on how much fun it is. I just tell them that it's just so much fun and we laugh all the time and we just have a blast. And I tell them about the skills that it teaches and how it's helped me. I'm basically kind of a shy person and it's very hard for me like at a party, if I don't know anybody, I'll sit in a corner all by myself. I will not go up and meet people. A lot of the reason why I took that first class was to get over that shyness, make myself do something uncomfortable, but that I knew was good for me. And here's a little known secret. When I was a little girl, I've always wanted to be an actor. And this fulfills that. It lets me get out of my head and lets me be another person. And I love it. I love it. I mean, here's the thing, like there's a, there's a trap. There's a trap that I, I fall into and I think it's pretty common, which is when you're improvising, your mind is racing like a mile a minute. And like, let's say I'm having a scene with Griffin. He's saying something and he makes an offer and I get this hit. I'm like, oh, I know how to build on that, right? And so I'm waiting for him to finish his thing. But like from the moment where I got the hit to when he's finished, I'm a little distracted because now I'm thinking about that thing. And so I haven't fully been present and fully listening to everything he said. And so maybe the thing that I have a hit on is not as relevant or maybe it's there's just something I've missed because I'm not being really present and fully listening. Like that is a very common trap. I really like how you put that into words. You're absolutely right. Griffin, what do you think? Yeah, absolutely. Be present. Be constantly listening, reacting to what the other person is saying. And as soon as you start to get these ideas in your head of where are we going to take this 10 minutes from now, then you're no longer in the moment. It is a balancing act of definitely figuring out how to be present and tell a story that needs to go for an hour and a half, 45 minutes at the same time. I love Griffin, how you've really embraced when Ken said to, to the company members, Hey, I'd love, you know, with this online thing, it, it'd be great to have people come with concepts and produce a show and direct and you've really embraced it. And each time it's just, you, you've added extra things. Like you keep raising the bar 
And Griffin is really a very smooth, harmonious director. Like, it's just been really wonderful working with you. I really hope to work with you again, Alev. It was such a fun experience. The last time I got to see you in person, we did Miss Marple. And I really think we had a great fun send off to those characters. But I, I'd love to work with you again in person if we get the opportunity. Definitely. The in-person shows, I feel the same way. I can't wait to get back on the stage. Reggie, one of my first impressions of you was when we were in person class together in the rehearsal room and I'm sitting and we're waiting for, Ken says, we're waiting for one more person. And I look to the side, to the door, and I see this stormtrooper that has just disembarked from some sort of one-wheeled contraption. Yeah, my electric unicycle. Yeah. Which looks incredibly dangerous. Mm-hmm. Okay. And and you so you roll into the room and immediately I was like, I cannot wait to do a scene with this guy. Yes. I also remember that awesome motorized unicycle. Uh, yeah. Do you still have it, Reggie? I still have it and it's still dangerous. I worry uh, about you. I like I I think you need more padding. I actually have gotten more padding because I did fall and I hurt myself. I mean, no lasting damage, but now I must be one foot deep in padding when I go out these days. But in obviously in an improv scene, you have to get comfortable with the idea that you're going to be a villain sometimes. I have to say that every time I find an opportunity to be a villain, I really go in it head first, even though for me naturally it's uncomfortable. But I feel like it's an opportunity for me to grow. Absolutely. The archetype of a villain is something that also interests me. Again, I, I mean, I relate to Reggie. I, I, my own personal life, I abhor villainous personalities, right? But in a story that's told well, each, each person either made the hero, the, the other characters, the villain, they represent different parts. I don't want to sound pretentious, but they do. A good story, they'll represent different parts of the human psyche in all of us in a sense, right? Of course, they're grossly exaggerated, but a good story has each person is an archetype, a representation of a human quality. And that's other things that I just really have learned to appreciate through the art of improvisation as well. Heather, I went online and I saw that you have a website and on the website, you were talking about the importance of bringing empathy to the characters that you play. Yeah. And I thought that was really beautiful. And I would like to touch on the importance of empathy in your writing and how you can bring more empathy into improvising. Heather, you want to go first? Sure. Yeah. I think especially over the last few years, I have come to realize that empathy is the primary center of my philosophy about everything. <laughs> and art is so valuable in that it, it produces empathy, especially theater. The very idea of acting is to feel how another person feels and live their life and share it with others so that they can do the same. So for me, writing is the way to do that for the world. And I think to, to write authentically is to really feel empathy for your characters and create them as real as a person as they can be so that other very real people who then watch them can relate to that and feel things from that. You have to do the same thing as an improviser and more of it all at the same time because you are writing and acting all in the same moment. If you think about just how you can connect to what your character wants 
and who your character is and how they feel, that should be the primary motivation for everything. Yes. Wonderful. Arlene? Well, I think the only way to understand other people is to hear their stories. Yeah. And I think sharing our stories is one of the most important things we can do. I think it's a way for us to learn how to walk in somebody else's shoes. And theater is a great way to share stories. So, Eileen, if you came to me and we just met and you said, well, I, I direct improvisational plays. My first thought would be, well, how do you do that? It's all improv. What does the director of improvised plays actually do? That's <laughs> a question. Well, first of all, we write the script and then... <laughs> That's funny. Well, actually, I was doing some research recently on documentaries because the one that I'm doing now is that documentary that, that we worked on in our class. And watching a documentary filmmaker talk about the process of making documentary films kind of struck a chord because a documentary filmmaker has a subject and a potential path that they want to follow, perhaps. And they get interviews from people and, and they get footage and they, they have all this stuff that they compile but they don't have control over what each person is saying during the interviews that they do. And so it was interesting to hear her say that she had no control over the subjects and what was going to come out of their mouths. And so it is sort of like, um, you let go, like, I guess for me, it's just have a, an idea of the structure and the time frame, and then pay attention to how we can work together to find that theme and then just let go and trust the other improvisers. And I think that's probably the biggest lesson in improv is to let go. Um, of course, I'd heard about Ken because of the story spine. He gets mentioned a lot in improv classes. And I had looked up the website for Synergy for about a year or so, maybe longer, before I actually got the opportunity to take a class. And that was because of the pandemic. Essentially, because the classes went online and I didn't have to worry about traffic and distance, I was finally able to take the, the master class. How would you describe the master class? It's my happy place. I love it. Oh my God. I, I mean, I think of all the classes I've taken it, it, ever, it's my favorite. And that's not because I'm on a podcast. For, I just really, really love it. I mean, it's very grounded, but it's also, you can also be comedic. You can also be absurd. I think it's the one place where you see like grounded scenes done in a way that incorporate all the other aspects of improv. And it's so much fun. And like, I love the way like Ken teaches you to build on your ideas and move the story forward. And it it made a lot of things that I was struggling with in improv click for me. Wong, how are you going to use what you're learning now creatively in the future? I want to, I think this is a great type of exercise to learn to connect with people in real life. And that's basically how I want to use it. I personally don't care as much on performance per se. Um, I learned this is a hobby and, and I enjoy performing, but that's not my main purpose. I, I, I do believe that this is helping me to learn to connect with other people in a more meaningful way. And the lessons I'm learning, uh, I think it is helpful. So I think that's where I will be going. Also, I was going to like say, I started improv in my 40s. If you're treated differently because you're older or, or, or a person of color or somebody who's trans or somebody who's anything that like is not considered the meme, whatever, 
you're not in the right place if you're not comfortable because the best part about improv to me has always been being inclusive. You shouldn't have to change everything about yourself to fit in to an improv class. And if you ever feel like that, then you're also in the wrong improv class. The first thing you learn is that you're enough and your experience is enough. And your references are enough and the names that you use from your life are enough. And it doesn't have to be all what what everybody else happens to have in common because what's unique about everybody is what they bring to the table. Yeah, I agree. I agree with everything Jodin says. And the people I'm playing with in Ken's class, it's just, uh, it's really lovely to be in a space. I feel like I'm safe here uh, and I can be pushed to challenge myself, but that's different from feeling unsafe. One of the things I love about our, our Friday class with Ken is it's diverse in every way possible. And I love that. And the scene work that we do, because everyone is bringing something different to everyone else's experience, is amazing. It creates just wonderful artistry when you bring voices from different backgrounds all together and everyone accepts. Thank you both so much. This was fantastic. Is there anything else you guys want to say? I just, it's, it's something that when we talked about how did this change your life, it, Ken goes over the substantial scene and how a scene is played out. So you have, you know, your platform where you introduce the characters and then the moment of engagement and that lands you in the second area, which is the dramatic conflict or dramatic alignment. And then there's a moment of resolution and then ends the last third on the new platform. And one of the things that actually taking improv really changed for me is there's that moment of resolution where they either fail or succeed. And a lot of the times in life when something really big happens, someone dies or you lose a job or, or a relationship ends, you think that that's the end, but there's a whole new platform that comes after that end. And just that idea of even applying that in life really makes a difference for me. Um, Cause a lot of times I think with that event, everything ends, but everything doesn't end from there. You've just now entered the new platform. So that's something that really changed my life. Thank you for adding that, Karen. I love that. And Nikki, I'll, what do you think? Yeah, I'll just add that I found a community of people through these classes that have become part of my life. We, we have all become friends and it is so valuable to me. And that's our show. If you think improv sounds like fun, it is. If you think you'd like to try improv, it's easy. Just go to SynergyTheater.com and click on School of Improv. Synergy Theater offers beginner, advanced, and master classes. Synergy Theater is also on Facebook. Please rate, review, and follow this podcast. Your support makes a difference. Synergy Theater is a 501c3 tax-deductible nonprofit that depends on the participation of current and future star supporters and improvisers like you. Thank you.